0: Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. If I need a copy of the notes, just raise your hand if you like to have a copy of the notes. You can follow along a little bit easier. Make it easier for you, but also it's good to have a frame of reference later on down the road. You can refer to these notes and and be blessed by them. And we're really going to challenge you tonight. So are you ready to receive from the Word tonight? Then let's pray. Father, we thank you for the privilege of studying your Word together this evening. And Father, knowing that your Word is not just intellectually learned, but spiritually discerned and perceived, we invite your Holy Spirit to give us ears anointed to hear, hearts anointed to receive, and minds to be open to the truth that liberates. Change us, dear Father, by what we hear by your Holy Spirit from glory to glory that we might conform to the very image of Jesus and become that for which he shed his precious and holy blood. And as always, Father, we'll give you all the praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 The title of my message is very simple this evening. It's called It Is finished it is finished John's gospel chapter 19 verse 30 you remember those three words one of the sayings that Jesus spoke on the cross before he died in John 19 and verse 30 uh, we are told that Jesus after being given vinegar said those three words it is finished when Jesus therefore had received the vinegar he said it is is finished and he bowed his head and gave up the ghost now my question is what did he mean what was finished was redemption finished was man now reconciled back to God because of what he did when he died right there at that moment well if you look at Hebrews chapter 9 verse 12 and then also verses 22 through 24 I think you find out that it suggests something other than that neither by the blood of goats and calves but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place having obtained eternal redemption for us. And then verse 22 and almost all things are by law purged with blood and without shedding of blood is no remission. It was therefore, notice the word necessary that the patterns of things in the heavens should be purified with these but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than those for Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands which are the figures of the true but into heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God for us and what these verses suggest to us is this redemption was not complete when he said those three words it is finished because you know why he still had to operate in function in the ministry of the high priest where he entered into the holiest place of all with his own blood and sprinkled it upon the mercy seat and cleansed all things that were affected by the fall of man so that we could be redeemed. That's when he obtained the eternal redemption for us. Hebrews 9.12 said that. It wasn't right then. Well if that's the case then what did he mean when he said it is finished? I heard these two talking on the radio it was a religious broadcast and they were talking about, I don't really know exactly what he meant when he said it is finished, some say this and some say that and some say the other and then I heard others just say well it means that redemption was complete but we just read scriptures that really attest to otherwise, it wasn't complete right then and we're going to show you why, now what was, le- what was actually complete number one was all the prophecies leading up to his death were fulfilled that's what he meant when he said it's finished well what were those prophecies well it was prophesied he would be born of a virgin it was prophesied in the city of David he would be born and the list goes on and on up until the point where he actually said I thirst that was prophesied in Psalm 69 verse 21 and it says there and we'll see this scripture later but it says there that he was given vinegar to drink And once he said, I thirst, and he was given vinegar to drink, then he said, it is finished. He finished all the types, all the shadows. He fulfilled all the prophecies that were spoken of him. He did everything that he was called upon to do by his father. Another way to say it is finished is it's accomplished. So he accomplished everything that was necessary for him to accomplish up to that point and place of his death. He did all that faithfully in obedience to the father now was he buried yet? no was he raised from the dead yet? no did he enter the high court of heaven with his own blood yet? no so just to say that his finishment, redemption was complete is really wrong, it wasn't complete yet but what was complete was first of all that the second thing that was also complete was this The Abrahamic covenant. The Abrahamic covenant with all the law, the the shadows, the types, etc. And we'll see that in just a moment. But if you look at Genesis chapter 12 beginning at verse 1, the first three verses, this is what you find. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house into a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation and I will bless thee and make thy name great and thou shalt be a blessing and I will bless them that bless thee and curse them that curse thee and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Notice that Israel was born out of Abraham Abraham and the Abrahamic covenant gave Israel their national life it didn't exist before Abraham but God produced a nation out of Abraham And with the Abrahamic covenant came the law, the priesthood, the sacrifices, the temple, the Shekinah glory dwelling in the holiest place of all within the temple. All that came out of this Abrahamic covenant. And all that it included was finished. God promised Abraham because he would offer Isaac his son, that God the father would offer his son in covenant with him so that mankind could be redeemed and Abraham kept good on his part of the bargain and now when Jesus said it is finished it meant the Abrahamic covenant the old covenant came to an end remember he said in the scriptures in the book of Hebrews he takes away the first that he may establish the second So the old covenant was fulfilled, it was complete, you could say it was finished, and now the new covenant is about to be ushered in. So everything that was connected to the Abrahamic covenant was finished, thanks be to God, and we're going to show you that in scripture. Look at Matthew 27, and notice here in verses 50 through 54, all the types of all the shadow, the covenant law, the Ten Commandments, the Passover, the unleavened bread feast, etc., etc., all these were fulfilled. They did what they were required to do. Jesus, when he cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost and behold, the veil of the temple was written twain from top, notice the language here, to the bottom and the earth did quake and the rocks rent and the graves were open and many bodies of the saints which slept arose and came out of the graves after his resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared unto many. Now when the centurion and they that were with Jesus, watching Jesus, saw the earthquake and those things that were done, they feared greatly saying this truly was the Son of God. Can you imagine having been there to see this take place? Think about it. But here's what you've got to see. The veil of the temple was torn in two from top to the bottom now the veil was 60 feet high a little bit taller than I am (laughs) it was 30 feet wide thank God I'm not that wide (laughs) it was 4 inches thick listen it weighed between 4 and 6 tons which is what? 8 to 12,000 pounds it took 300 priests to carry it to its place and as long as that veil was there standing it meant man had no approach to God man was still on the outside looking in and the only approach that he could have would be under the Abrahamic covenant and the Mosaic law and the types and the shadows and all that and the the sprinkling of blood etc and once a year could the high priest go into the holiest place of all and offer the atonement for their sin for the whole year but on this day it wasn't the earthquake that tore it and in my articles that I read, you could put some horses one on one side, one on the other, and they couldn't pull that thing apart. Think about that. They couldn't do it. Some suggested it because it was from the top 60 feet height to the bottom, it was ripped from above, meaning it could have been an angel or angels Or God himself because when the Shekinah glory exited the holies of holies and went back up to the heavenly holy of holies. What he did was said this. It is finished. The old covenant is finished. The Mosaic law is finished. The high priest ministry is finished. All the types and shadows are finished, accomplished, completed. Now, Jesus takes over. And I want to show you that in Scripture. Look at Genesis 49 and verse 10. The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet, until Shiloh come. And unto him shall be the gathering of the people. Be unto him shall get the, the gathering of the people. Be well, who's Shiloh? Shiloh is a prophetic name for the Messiah. What it was saying is. All these types, all these shadows, the temple uh, and and the Holy of Holies and the blood sacrifices and all that will be in operation until Shiloh comes. But when Shiloh comes, praise God, all the gathering will be to him and all that's left behind. So you could say it like this, Shiloh came and died on the Passover and fulfilled the Passover, it is finished. Shiloh came and he was their unleavened bread. It is finished. And you could say the first fruits, Shiloh is the first fruits from the dead and it is finished. And then Shiloh, when he arose from the dead as the high priest of the new covenant, meant the Old Testament priesthood is finished. And then when Shiloh went back to the throne of Almighty God, he sent the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost and it is finished there's no need he took his blood to provide the atonement for the sin of the world and when he did that the day of atonement was fulfilled it is finished finished the only feast that's not finished is the feast of trumpets the rapture of the church when we get out of here and go to be with Shiloh amen can you see all that so when someone asks you, well, what did he mean? It is finished. That what's, is what he meant. All that was finished because it served its purpose and it's all been fulfilled. He says it's finished. There's no longer a need to celebrate the Passover because the Passover has been sacrificed for you. It was only pointing to the true Passover lamb Jesus who took away the sin of the world there's no need for unleavened bread anymore he became sin for us who knew no sin there's no need for the first fruits he was raised up from the dead and we've been raised up together with him there's no need for another Pentecost Pentecost came cloven tongues like as a fire and fill them all with the Holy Ghost and power you see my point it's all happened All the Old Testament, with all its priesthood, all the sacrifices, all the types, all the shadows, the temple, it's all finished. And let me show you something else. Look at Luke's gospel, because this is so important to see and so powerful. In Luke 19, it says, but as he came closer to Jerusalem and saw the city ahead, he began to weep. This is from the New Living Translation. How I wish today that... You of all people would understand the way to peace. But now it's too late. And peace is hitting from your eyes. Before long your enemies will build ramparts against your walls. And encircle you and close in on you from every side. They will crush you into the ground. And your children with you. Your enemies will not leave a single stone in place. Because... You did not recognize it when God visited you. Wow. Did you hear what Jesus just said? Do you know what that means? Just what Jesus prophesied. Not one stone will be left upon this temple. Not one stone in place. Jerusalem, you'll succumb to your enemies. And you know what? In AD 70... Rome took over. Tore down the temple. Destroyed the temple. Think about it. There hasn't been a high priest. In Israel. Since AD 70. I'm going to go a step further. John the Baptist. You recall John the Baptist. John the Baptist. Many believe was in line to be a high priest because of his father Zechariah under the Aaronic line. But John the Baptist, you know, baptizing people to repentance. And when Jesus came to him, if you recall, said, I need to be baptized. If you You want me to baptize you, Jesus said, no, we got to do the right thing. Since John the Baptist was of that line and he was next in line to be a high priest but you know he was beheaded remember his father didn't have a child until his wife elizabeth was impregnated and remember it was a miracle that took place gabriel said that she would conceive in her old age but listen he told jesus you must increase he told them about jesus he must increase i must decrease but now you put that in this setting of the high priestly ministry his high priestly ministry now must take over and the high priestly ministry of the Jewish faith is diminishing and it took till AD 70 until it was completely gone there hasn't been a high priest in Israel since AD 70 you realize that there's no temple to offer a sacrifice And you know you can't offer one anywhere else. You realize that. And why is it then for all these years. 2,000 years. It's been this way. Because they're under judgment. You realize that. And why are they. They didn't recognize the day when God visited them. And so God had to say. Okay this is done. It is finished. It's now time for the high priestly ministry of Jesus. To take over. And of course it has. But for 2,900 years, they were not a nation. And you know, whenever they went into exile, they went into captivity was when? When they rebelled against God. Isn't that true? And when did they come out? When they repented before God. Is that not true? Let me ask you a question. May 14, 1948. Did you hear them repenting and accepting Jesus Christ as a nation? As the Messiah? Whose blood was shed for their redemption? Did anybody hear of that? I never heard that then why did they become a nation once again? Very important answer to that question. You know why? Because the time of the Gentiles is coming to a close. That's why. And God who's orchestrating this whole thing is about to wrap things up. And he is orchestrating this end time event. And that's why he reestablished them in one day as a nation again, because his program has got to go on. But one day they will repent, and that's on what would be their day of atonement, when they accept the atoning blood of Jesus Christ for their atonement. But it wasn't because they repented, it's because God's program is going on. Okay, all that's finished. The temple's gone. The Shekinah glory's gone. There's not a red heifer to be found. They're, They're finding some now, and that gives us an indication that where we're at, no high priest, no priestly ministries no way to offer sacrifice, can you see what I'm saying, it's gone, there's no need for it any longer so your roots are in Christ who fulfilled all that, don't be diverted away from that so what's left then, why did he say that? what's left to be fulfilled, what needs to be done then, now he died on Calvary, he said it is finished, he finished the old covenant with all that we just said, now what needs to be done, to fulfill or or let's say to finish our redemption, well since you've asked (laughs) he had to suffer God's wrath, now you're going to bear with me, put on your spiritual ears right now, bear with me okay because I'm going to show you I'm in pretty good company while I teach this, okay? But I thought I got to share this because we need to hear it. We need to understand the depth of the suffering of our Savior, okay? Now notice, he had to still suffer the wrath of God. Who beat him with what the cat of nine tells, the Roman lictor? He was beaten by a man. Who plucked out his beard, who spit in his face and slapped his face? Caiaphas, the high priest and all his, you know, people. Right? Okay, so he was punished. And if you haven't read this, I have on the table out there called Scourged. You've got to read it. It makes, uh, let's say, the passion of the Christ look like child's play. Okay? And let me add this to it. Jesus suffered that way one time. Paul the Apostle five times was scourged. Five when your flesh is ripped off your body, in some cases exposing your vital organs, Jesus once, Paul 5, also Paul beaten with rods three times on the bottom of his feet what am I getting at? let's get beyond the natural, okay, Jesus suffered but Paul really suffered in the flesh But what Jesus suffered, Paul could never suffer, and neither could anyone on the planet. And I'm about to show you what it is. Psalm 22 and verse 1. I want you to see these prophetic utterances. Notice on the cross he cried out what? My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me? And from the words of my roaring. Remember on Calvary after he gave up the ghost, before he did that he said, My God, why hast thou forsaken me? So this psalm is a prophetic psalm, Psalm 22. Now go over to Psalm 88. Another prophetic psalm about the suffering servant of the Lord, O Lord God of my salvation, I have cried day and night before thee let my prayer come before thee, incline thine ear to my cry for my soul is full of troubles and my life draws nigh to the grave I am counted with them that go down into the pit, I am as a man that hath no strength free among the dead like the slain that lie in the grave, whom thou rememberest no more and they are cut off from thy hand, thou hast laid me in the lowest pit in darkness in the deeps Thy wrath lieth hard upon me and thou hast afflicted me with all thy waves. Now going down to verse 16. Selah means just stop and think about it. Thy fierce wrath goeth over me. Thy tears have cut me off. This is prophetic of Jesus after he was made sin for us who knew no sin entering into the deepest bowels of hell actually in Romans Paul said he entered the the abyss where he suffered the wrath of God. Beloved it wasn't his physical suffering only he suffered where you and I should have suffered eternally In that lowest place, the fierce wrath of God was upon him to vindicate man from his fallen state. Now think about that for just a moment. He suffers there. Now I'm going to share with you, this is in your notes. He took our place in hell and suffered God's wrath for us. But I'm in good company when I teach this. Billy Graham, J.N. Darby, H.A. Ironside, John Calvin, Charles Spurgeon, the Prince of Preachers, Martin Luther, the Reformation, Charles Hall, and G. Campbell Morgan all agree that Jesus' suffering did not end on the cross. I'm going to read to you. It's not in there. I'm going to read it to you. This is Billy Graham. Anybody know Billy Graham? Would you call him a heretic? I don't think so. The physical sufferings of Jesus Christ was not the real suffering. Many men before him died and many men became martyrs. The awful suffering of Christ was his spiritual suffering. This is John Calvin one of the greatest voices of the reformation. If Christ had merely died a physical death, no end would have been accomplished by it. For the relation of those sufferings of Christ which were visible to men is very properly followed by that invisible and incomprehensible vengeance which he suffered from the hand of God. In order to assure us that not only the body of Christ was given as the price of our redemption but there was another greater and more excellent ransom since he suffered the dreadful torments of a person condemned and irretrievably lost. And then Charles Spurgeon, when justice came to smite the sinner it found him in the sinner's place and smote him without relenting laying to the full the whole weight upon him which had otherwise crushed all mankind forever into the lowest hell. And then in your notes here, this is G. Campbell Morgan, who was a Bible scholar, a leading Bible scholar, an evangelist, and he pastor of the church at Westminster Chapel in London for 25 years. And here's what he says. In the deep and unfathomable mystery of the cross, his spirit was separated from God, and that spirit that separated from the body passed down into Hades. He took upon himself the responsibility of the sin of a race, and in those solemn hours between the passing of the Spirit of Christ on the cross... And the resurrection morning. The holy body of the man lies in the tomb. His spirit has passed into hell. The place of lost spirits. Now hear his words. Thou will not leave my soul in Hades. The word leave means forsake. You see. No matter how good a person is. You can die a physical death. You can be tormented. Tortured for your faith and all that. But you can't suffer for yourself To be redeemed, to redeem yourself. No matter how much you suffer, anyone who dies without salvation enters into hell forever. And everyone would have been in the lake of fire forever. There's only one way that God could legally vindicate man, and that would be if the Son of God would take our place in the lowest place of hell. And because he did no sin. God could legally raise him from the dead on the third day because you see he didn't sin he did it for us he made him sin for us who knew no sin look at the book of Acts chapter 2 this is Peter speaking he's preaching his first sermon after the resurrection the coward is now fearless and here's what he says once again the Psalms are being quoted For David speaks concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is on my right hand that I should not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice and my tongue was glad moreover also my flesh shall rest in hope because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Thou hast made known to me the ways of life, thou shalt make me full of joy with thy countenance. He is quoting Psalm 16 verses 8 through 11, let's read those psalm 16 8 through 11 this is prophetic of the messiah when he suffers in hell i have set the lord always before me because he is at my right hand i shall not be moved therefore my heart is glad and my glory rejoices my flesh also shall rest in hope for thou wilt not leave my soul in hell neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption the soul is this the spiritual part of him suffering in hell and the physical body's corruption not going to decay thou wilt show me the path of life and thy presence is fullness of joy and at thy right hand are pleasures forevermore so you could see it was prophetic so now what did he have to do after he said it is finished he still had to suffer the fierce wrath of God in the lowest place of hell so he could legally redeem us from our fallen state that's number one number two what's the second thing he had to suffer what had to ha- had to happen before redemption was complete the resurrection the resurrection hadn't taken place yet but it has to take place look at acts 2 again we're going to read these verses in context now And I want you to really attentively hear what's being said. Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and for knowledge of God, you have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain, whom God raised up, having loosed the comforts of death, having loosed the joys of death, having loosed the pleasantries of death, What does that word say? Pain. In other words when God raised him up. He just said God raised him up. He loosed him from what? Pain. Say it again like you really mean it. Pain. So when Jesus was raised from the dead. Was he raised from comfort? No. Was he raised from joy? No. Pleasantries? No. Peace? No. What was he loosed from? Pain. Pains of death. And we're going to. I'm going to show you another translation in a moment. Because it was not possible that he should be holden of it for David speaking concerning him I foresaw the Lord always before my face he's on my right hand that I should not be moved therefore did my heart rejoice and my tongue was glad moreover also my flesh shall rejoice in hope because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell neither wilt thou suffer thy holy one to see corruption thou hast made known to me the ways of life thou shalt make me full of joy with thy countenance Men and brethren, let me freely speak to you of the patriarch David. He is both dead and buried. His sepulcher is with us unto this day. Therefore being a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him. That of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh. He would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. He seeing this before spake of the resurrection of Christ. That his soul was not left in hell. Neither did his flesh see corruption That's the resurrection. This Jesus has God raised up whereof we are all witnesses. I I read an article one guy said it doesn't say that Jesus went to hell. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm like what? Then he goes on to say yeah that word hell there Hades that just means a place of comfort. I'm like what is so hard about this that people can't understand it? They think you're teaching heresy when you teach this. Did we not read the scriptures? Yeah. Now look at, look at verse 24, Acts 2.24 in the New Living Translation. Look at what it says. But God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life. For death could not keep him in its grip. He went there for a short time for you and me so we wouldn't have to go there for an eternity. And when God saw, and look at Isaiah 53 doesn't talk about blood. You know what it talks about? Wrath. God poured out his wrath upon Jesus and Jesus was there. God looked over the banisters of heaven. He saw the travail of his soul that was in hell and he said, it is enough. I'm satisfied thou art my son this day have I begotten thee and raised him from the dead and he defeated death hell and the grave once and for all glory to God that's what he did and God raised him up now in that verse 24 the word pain In the Greek, it's the word odin, O-D-I-N. And it means pain, sorrow, travail, as in childbirth, a pang or a throw. Ladies, help me out here. When you're just about to give birth, are you going, what a wonderful day this is. It's beautiful here. I'll never forget the words that fell from my wife's lips when Dr. Perry said, come on, Krista, just push one more time. She said, I would rather die. (laughs) Did that sound like comfort to you? Not at all. Well, guess what? He's saying he was released from the pains, the horrors of death like a birth throw. So when Jesus was paying that price, finally God says it's enough. It's time to deliver. And he was delivered. Oh, praise God he was delivered. Thirdly, what else had to be done? The atonement. Look at John's gospel chapter 20. The atonement. He had to suffer God's wrath. He then had to be the res- resurrection. And then what? Thirdly, the atonement had to take place. Jesus, this is after his resurrection. He's out of the tomb. And Mary sees him. Jesus says to her, Mary. She turns to herself and says unto him, Rabboni, which is to say, Master. Jesus said to her, come and give me a big hug, honey. No, what does he say? Touch me not. Hmm, non-sociable? Not like the Italians like the hug? No, he emerged from the grave as the high priest of the new covenant. Study the high priest. Once that blood was shed... That blood had to be carried to the high court of heaven and nobody could touch him. Nobody. He was on a mission. So when Jesus said, Touch me not, he was on to say what? i'm not yet ascended my father but go to my brethren and say unto them i ascend to my father and your father and to my god and your god in other words i have got to go and fulfill the prophecy i've got what the type and the shadow was as the earthly high priest had to go in and sprinkle the blood on the mercy seat he says i have got to go where no man has been for six 4,000 years at that time, I've got to go where all the, the, cherubim, the mercy seats there, the cherubim, the seraphim, they're standing guard, they're keeping anyone and everyone away who does not belong before the throne of Almighty God And can you imagine this when Jesus rises up. He's got that blood of his just like the high priest did. He walks into the high court of heaven. And the cherubim and the seraphim, they're standing there with their flaming swords. Where you think you're going? He says, step aside. Boys, I've got the blood of the covenant right here. I'm going to go all the way in. I'm going to purchase redemption for all mankind. Those that say it ended at the cross. No, it didn't. Let me tell you why. How many of you remember when the Israelites came out of Egypt? They had to kill a sacrificial lamb. And the blood had to be caught where? In a basin or a bowl. Wasn't was that true? And what did they have to do with the blood? Apply the blood to the doorpost and lintel of the house. Let me ask you this question If you killed your animal, your animal was slain, and the blood was shed, were you delivered from the death angel? No. Well why not? The blood's been shed. He died. It's not the shedding of the blood. It's the application of the blood that provided their deliverance. If you're the high priest and you kill the sacrificial lamb and you've got the bowl in the basin and you walk into the holiest place of all but you forgot the blood. That's okay. We'll get you next year. Are their sins remitted for a year? No. You better not go in there without that blood. It's the only access that you have. So when Jesus goes to the high court of heaven. What do we read in Hebrews? Hebrews said that was just a pattern. You had to cleanse the pattern of it. You know with the animal blood. But man you're talking about the holy place of God. You can't use animal blood up there. The Holy Ghost. By the Holy Ghost he presented his blood blood on a mercy seat and you say well how did he get it is anything too hard for God can God extract blood from the ground can the Holy Ghost extract blood from the ground and put it in a basin Jesus entered the high court of heaven he carried his blood to the high holy place he sprinkled it on the mercy seat and the utensils of worship. And the Bible says he obtained eternal redemption for us at that moment. At that moment, he obtained eternal redemption for us. Look at Hebrews 9, 11 through 14, and you'll see it. Mary, don't touch me. I got a job still to do. Redemption is not complete yet, Mary but Christ becoming a high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands that is to say not of this building neither by the blood of goats and calves but by his own blood he entered into the holy place I actually heard someone just say he didn't really literally take his blood in you know why people say it's your interpretation because they just can't take what the Bible literally says did we not just read it says he took his own blood. To the holy place. And that's when he attained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and goats. And the ashes of a heifer sprinkling unclean sanctifies. Of the, of the purifying of the flesh. How much more shall the blood of Christ. Through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God. Purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. It says the pattern. Now we'll go on down to verses 22 through 28 again. Let's see this. And almost all things are by the law purged with blood. And without shedding of blood, there's no remission. It was therefore, everybody say the next word. What was it? That the patterns of things in the heavens should be purified with these. In other words, the pattern was what they were doing on earth in the earthly holy of holies. The pattern. That's just the pattern. But the heavenly things with better sacrifices than these. For Christ has not entered the holy places made with hands which are the figures of the truth, but in a heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Nor yet that he should offer himself often, as the high priest entereth the holy place every year with the blood of others. For then must he have often have suffered since the foundation of the world, but now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Oh, beloved. Now it's finished. Now it's finished. The blood has been applied to the mercy seat. And once that happened, the better blood of Jesus paid the price for our redemption. To reconcile us back to God. Now, the blood left on the ground, it would have been the proper price. But you know what? Not applied to the proper place. It had to be applied. Now redemption is complete. And now. Anyone and everyone who says. I choose Jesus. Can be washed. In his blood. Amen. Amen. So what do we conclude. When Jesus said it is finished. He wasn't talking about redemption was complete at that time. He was saying. All the types. All the shadows. The Abrahamic covenant. The Passover, the uh, Feast of Unleavened Bread, the Firstfruits and Pentecost. All that has been fulfilled. He's talking about the Ten Commandments have been replaced. But they're still incorporated within the New Commandment, which is what? Love, right? Love. Okay, so it's been replaced. So the law of love incorporates all the Ten Commandments because Jesus fulfilled the law. A man's not saved by keeping the law today, is he? No, but by faith that Jesus kept the law. And we'll walk in love and we'll keep those commandments as we walk in love. All that was fulfilled in Christ. So that you and I can come. And then look at Psalm 69 verse 21. He made the statement after saying I thirst. He said I thirst. And they gave me also gall for my meat. And in my thirst they gave me what? Vinegar to drink. And after he drank it or that they put in his mouth. What did he say? It is finished. He fulfilled that scripture, that prophecy was fulfilled in Christ. And one more verse after dying he was completely dependent upon the Father and the Holy Spirit to raise him from the dead. That's why he said into thy hands I commit my spirit. In other words out of my control now but look at Romans chapter 6 and verse 4 therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father Even so, we also should walk in newness of life. So who raised him? By the glory of the Father. The Holy Spirit, by the glory of the Father, raised him from the dead. Beloved, our Shiloh has come, and our Shiloh has sent the Holy Ghost. He is tabernacling in the hearts, the temple of our hearts. He's alive in us right now, because we've accepted the sacrifice of and the blood that he shed to pay the price for our redemption. So we're, we're here, yes, to commemorate his physical suffering. But more so, the depth of his spiritual suffering. To liberate us and make us all free. Aren't you glad he did this? If this doesn't command our allegiance, honestly, I don't know what can. And I don't know what will. Would you say that he has a right to expect us to conduct ourselves in such a way so as to be pleasing to him. Come on up. Wouldn't you say that? What more could he possibly do? There's nothing more he could possibly do. Mm -hmm. But I'm so glad that he did what he did. Hi Pastor Bill here. I want to thank you for joining us today. On behalf of my wife Krista and Krista Selby Church I want you to know that we're here to serve you and your family. Whether you have young children or kids in elementary school